Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're two best friends entering the world of true crime. We'll be sharing the stories of some of the worst and most horrific murder cases in history with the help of professional criminologists, and we're taking you along for the ride. In this episode, we're looking into the Breaking Bad obsessed murderer, Stefano Brizzi. How are you, Helen? I'm okay. Yeah? Uh, actually... About five minutes ago, I wasn't okay because I got an iced spiced bun from M&S and I unwrapped it and the icing was stuck com- completely clean off on the wrapper. So she was just left with a bun. It, it was horrible. It was difficult to watch. It was. I scraped it with my fingers and then I just went in and licked it off. That was also difficult to watch. <laughs> But I was really looking forward to that in our in our break time, our podcast break, and it was disappointing. But other than that, I'm all right. Good. Um, I've I, got- I mentioned last time, but but Phil is f- fully up to date on podcast. Oh, thank you, Phil. Yeah, I know. He's like, I've been listening to Devils in the Dark again, and I'm fully up to date. And I'm like, about fucking time. We're halfway through season two. I've been doing this since last year. Does he like it? He loves it. Oh, well, good. He thinks it's really interesting. Can you yeah. imagine if he got all this way and he was like, oh, I just, do you know what? It's just not for me. I don't, think, he'd, like, I don't think Fuck you, Phil. You have to move out of Helen's house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would, um, I don't think he'd listen to the whole thing. Okay. If he didn't like it. But well, he likes Philip, it. He can stay then. I'll, I'll yeah. allow it. Um, I fell into a hole this week. Not a literal not hole. Not another hole. Not a literal hole this time. That has been, that does happen. That did happen once. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we watched, um, so me and Baker have had some time off work together um, and we watched a film called Moonfall, which is on uh, oh, Amazon Prime. No. I is, saw the trailer for this. Yeah, the, the, the trailer where they drive a car onto a piece of rock that's floating up into the air. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it's got Sam from it, from, from Game of Thrones. Sam yeah, Harley yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Halle Berry. Like, yeah. Is she okay? Because she had a really great career. Um, this yeah. film, um, this film was interesting. But the basic premise, without a, I don't think this is this, none of this is. I'm not spoiling anything that isn't in the trailer. The moon has fallen out of orbit, <laughs> and and the 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 change in gravity is fucking with the the earth yeah as it would and some some crack scientists um who also thankfully were astronauts um apart from one of them uh go on a mission to save the moon okay um and i was like okay and some stuff happens and you find out about the moon in the film which um, um is not factual i'm gonna guess okay um also the physics in it seem to be very selective uh but uh yeah that's fine 
Um, and then I was like, okay, somebody's had this idea for this. Um, and where has that come from? And I, I lost, I, I fell deep into this hole of moon conspiracy. And, uh, conspiracy yeah not just like moon landing conspiracy but there's this whole thing about the, is the moon real right <laughs> yeah and whether the moon is actually hollow right and was built by aliens okay and put there actually the death star a real thing well yes actually is one of the theories okay yeah and there's also a theory about what happens on the dark side of the moon isn't there all kinds of theories about that yeah yeah but um i thought it was interesting apparently when apollo 13 dropped whatever it dropped on the moon mm. the, they recorded earthquakes on the moon's surface right that were akin to the moon ringing like a bell and so this has launched <laughs> conspiracy theories that the moon that it has done that because the, mer- the, the moon is a bell. The moon is actually hollow, <laughs> and there's a bell inside. <laughs> <laughs> not that it's actually a bell, um, but then and then I just I'm I'm not I, yeah, I can be partial to a conspiracy theory. Like I'm convinced that all of Kiss died, uh, the band Kiss, and they're uh, all robots. Now. Yeah, and I'm also convinced that Iggy Pop is a robot as well. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that he died a long time ago and is okay. just animatronic. Um, but, uh, there's also another one where like are birds real and there's this whole thing that birds aren't real they're actually like tiny spies for and, the government and you believe they're, this they're record no i just it's just oh, interesting right, like, okay. i told you i fell into a hole and i fell deep okay and um these birds are like tiny robots or like spy devices that mm. are just sort of twittering around to listen to what people are saying i'm gonna recommend that you never download tiktok i know that you never intend to because you you know yourself yeah it's gonna be but bad i'm, for I'm my gonna health. really suggest that you don't because you can get sucked in to things i will like i got sucked in the other night to real life mermaid sightings and i scared i fucking my, love shit like that yeah, it scared me and i went to bed and i was scared of the real mermaids that are actually really ugly and and cruel yeah i mean they're clearly fake videos but were they fake i don't know but and i ended up on tiktok just like another 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 and then two hours later you know what you know um recently in the whatsapp group there's been some sporadic what um tiktok links from me at like yeah 10 (laughs) 35 that's because i'm still up sat in the dark Helen's not asleep yet. <laughs> I saw on TikTok. <laughs> Helen's in a hole. Yeah. So just don't get it, Danny. Because I'll never see you me. again. <laughs> Next time you see me, I'll just be all greasy and covered in crumbs. Like, yeah. And like really pale about with sunken in eyes. Like, <laughs> don't open the window. About to give birth. And I'll just be like, but did you know the birds? <laughs> like, my entire house is just wrapped in tin foil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's where I've been today. Um, cool today this week <laughs> i'm never watching that film by the way because it looks terrible it looks um, so bad do you know what i'm actually kind of glad i watched it so it was just silly okay like it wasn't terrible and i didn't notice how long it was so it obviously was good enough to keep me gripped but i yeah, have a real thing with like it. you know sci-fi films sci-fi films i love yeah, sci-fi you do but if the science the fake science or the science the logic behind it doesn't make any sense 
Then I'm like, nope, not buying it. This is shit. See, I, that's where I'm like, <laughs> could this make sense? Like, no. where has this come from? I don't like it. Well, um, we can link this into today's case. Okay. Uh, because, Let's do it. You know, sometimes the logic and the science in films inspires people. Sometimes right. it lacks soundness. Um. Uh. So yeah, this today's episode, today's case, uh, is another gruesome one, and it's fairly recent. And I would suggest that probably, in fact, no. Now, if you're eating, if you've got snacks, I'd probably just stop. If you're one of those people that get grossed out and watch, I'd, 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 I'd still. Eat. Oh yeah, no, I'd like, probably I still eat, eat as well. Yeah. But like, if maybe if you're eating like ham or oh. jelly, I probably would stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was you've been fairly warned. Also, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, I'm gonna spoil it. I've not seen it. It came out in like 2012, so do better. Like, if you, I, I have no sympathy if there are spoilers in this episode now. Because um, it's been out for long enough. So you've had your time. All right. You'll enjoy it. Watch it. But, you know. When I've got time. Okay. You won't ever have time. (laughs) Uh, So let's set the scene for today. Okay. It's April 7th, 2016. Police have just been called to the Peabody Estate in South London after some residents have complained about a really bad smell. London! London! I just assumed it was going to be America because it's Breaking Bad, but OK, London. London. He opened up the letterbox and he said, can you smell it now? And I said to him, do you know what it smells like? It smells like a dead body. Two local police officers arrive and knock on the door of 49-year-old Stefano Brizzi's flat. He greets them with a confession they would definitely not have expected. Oh, my gosh. He said, I, I've killed a police officer, um, Satan... Uh, told me to do it. I promised Satan that I would kill at the first opportunity. And waiting for them inside was an incredibly gruesome sight. Oh my god. And they go into the bath room and the bath is full of globules of fat and they find remnants of the body. The body was 59-year-old missing police officer Gordon Semple. The officers would soon find out that Gordon had met his fate after a seemingly regular interaction on Grinder. They were essentially both looking for, for somebody to hook up with and have sex with. And, and the speed at which this happens, with which they meet and with which Gordon Semple loses his life, really is quite incredible. Gah! Whoa! Are you excited? Why is he blobuled? Well, I'm going to tell you in a bit. But first, let's go back to the start. Okay. Okay. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Stefano Brizzi was born into a devout Catholic family in San Marcello de Pistoiesi in Tuscany, Italy, on June 26, 1966. His childhood was fairly regular, And according to criminal psychologist Chris Carter and author Jeffrey Wansall, he was aware that he wasn't straight at an early age. 
he knew he was a homosexual, but Britsy also knew he was a Catholic. And that not only is against his religion, but it would really upset his parents if they were that religious. So he was in that kind of turmoil. I think his homosexuality haunted him. He felt that somehow it wasn't what his family would have approved of. He felt that he was out of step with his family. Brizzi went to the university in Florence, which is a, a very reputable um, university in Italy, not very far from, from where he was born and where he lived. From the university, he graduated and he got a very good job as a computer programmer in Italy as well. I think it's um, quite important to remember that that was like the 60s, 70s. I don't know much about modern Catholicism. Yeah. But I think it is, I hope it is a bit more accepting of the LGBTQ plus community. You'd hope so. Um, but I do know for a fact that it definitely wasn't. And um, that relationship with your sexuality and your faith could be uh, very tumultuous. Like... Ooh, I like that word. I think that was the right one. Tumultuous. When I was well, you're the big word. word person out of us two. When and I, I always ask, yeah. you what I, mean. I was trying to like, I just kept thinking like shaky, but I don't know. Tumultuous. Tumultuous. Yeah, sounds but, good. Yeah. I'm gonna say yeah. That's yeah? not good. Okay, great. <laughs> um, but but can I, um, you know, like a lot of like modern day churches, they they have, I see on their kind of like advertising. Like lots of sort of like stuff that implies that they are open to everyone, especially like you know using like rainbows and stuff in their, you know, imagery yeah. and and all that. So you would hope that times have changed. I think that can be quite down to parish, each parish, but also what denominations. So like I've know a lot of like the C of E, mm. Church of England is a lot more open and progressive than it used to be. Yeah. Um, it's probably a generational thing as well, isn't it? Definitely. In 2008, at age 42, Stefano was diagnosed with hepatitis C and t also tested positive for HIV. He was obviously rocked by the news, but I think also those diseases are sort of were, especially at that time, well, 2008, not that long ago, but are quite more are more common, more prevalent prevalent in the gay community. And that's probably only going to further his like Catholic guilt, this sort of war between his faith, his sexuality, his morals and what that makes him like. Does it make him dirty? Like, you yeah, know? which I can only imagine is, is really difficult. And uh, eventually, four years later, Stefano decided to move to London for okay. a fresh start. At this point, he was an IT expert and figured he could get much more money in the UK and probably have a bit of a better social life, mm -hmm. get away from his family ties, the Catholic guilt that sort of came with them um, and just be a bit more of his own person. And because I'm, you know, that kind of ideology will always stay with you in some way mm -hmm. and, you know, probably feeling quite judged. And going somewhere like London where there's... A place for there's there's a community for yeah there's a place for, for everyone and I think also it's a much more diverse like religiously diverse mm -hmm. sexually diverse yeah place to be than where he was in sort of his province of Tuscany yeah 
Stefano made the move and it was successful for him. He got a job at a bank as an IT consultant and web developer, earning 70 grand a year. Wow. Yeah. Decent income. That's London wage though, isn't it? Yeah, but still, that's a high income. Like, yeah, it is. And I'd get used to that. Yeah. Is you're going to allow you a certain kind of lifestyle. Yeah, defo. But it seems the guilt he was running away from in Italy did follow him Uh-oh. to London, unfortunately. In 2013, Stefano started experimenting with drugs, including the sedative, GHB, as well as psychoactive poppers. Oh. And we talked about GHB in the Stephen Poor episode in season yeah, one. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah. So um, I won't go into it again. You can go listen to it there. That's quite a difficult episode, though. So Yeah, that defo is. Yeah. But um, De- Stefano didn't stop with those drugs. He actually escalated into the world of substance abuse. And he became addicted to crystal meth. Oh, well, that's quite a jump. It's a bit of a leap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that gateway was just thrown wide open. Um, meth. I didn't know this. Like, I've always just, I've known that meth, crystal meth is like one of the hardcore ones. Yeah. Right. And I've always been quite afraid of it. But apparently it's quite a popular party drug. Really? Yeah. So it gives you like this rush, this like Ugh. euphoria. But you just always, like, when I think of crystal meth, I think of, like, really haggard, like, no teeth. Yeah, there's a stereotype there, isn't there? So to try and overcome his addiction, Stefano joined a support group. Okay. Britzi does seem to be quite a a dramatic and quite an elaborate individual. And and some of his behaviour around his crystal meth addiction really does highlight that. He reached a point where he was going to a support group and he wanted to leave his addiction behind. He conducted a a funeral service for his crystal meth addiction. I think at one point he even constructed a coffin for it and said he was burying his addiction. He was basically saying, this is it, this is over, I'm burying this part of me and I'm moving on. And you can see those those roots of his upbringing there, that idea of the Catholic faith and of ceremony and of ritual. He's drawing on those traditional values, those traditional beliefs in this new lifestyle. So I think here we've got somebody who's incredibly conflicted. He's somebody who feels like he should be a good Catholic boy. He knows that his behaviour isn't going to come up to the expectations of his family and his community. And he He's really struggling. Mm, that sounds incredibly confusing. It sounds quite difficult, doesn't it? Yeah. There's sort of this expectation of who you should be um, in conflict with who you want to be mm-hmm. or, and then also who you are. Yeah. Um, it's being pulled in all directions. Yeah. And so he really struggled to beat his addiction, understandably. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, he actually lost his job. And so his life really was starting to fall apart. Oh, God. It would be fair to say that Britsy was disintegrating. He became more and more introverted, almost nocturnal. He completely covered the windows of his flat so that no light came in. He didn't go out very much during the day at all. He became addicted to an American television show called Breaking Bad in which at one point two of the main characters try to dissolve the body of a drug dealer in a bath of acid, which, for one reason or another, struck a chord in Britsy. So you never watched Breaking Bad, did you? No, but I kind of get what it's about. They 
make crystal meth in his bathtub. So, no. No? So, um, it's about a high school science teacher right. called Walter. Walter yes. White. And he gets diagnosed with terminal cancer. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so, um, I can't remember exactly how, uh, but he, one of his old students, Jesse, uh, is a drug dealer and cooks meth. Um, and he puts his own spice into it. He adds chilli to it, like, because he thinks he's cool. Um, and Walter decides to cook a, ba- a batch of meth to get money to put aside for his family to make sure his family are okay when oh, he dies. Right, okay. And he doesn't intend for it to be a thing. But because he's a chemistry teacher, he accidentally makes this incredibly pure crystal oh, meth. Oh, he's really good at it. Yeah, he he's, he's he's t- doing. so it turns actually... Because he's a scientist. Right. He's fucking great at making meth. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. And it's blue because it's so pure. Oh, right. And um, yeah, and so local drug dealers are like... Oh, Give me this. that shit. Yeah, and right. um, trouble ensues from there. And yeah, as the series sort of develops, um, Walter White, he, he takes on the pseudonym Heisenberg. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. yeah. Particularly in the first series, like at the start, and like one of the main themes of there is you can he has this conflict of why I am doing this is a good reason. Like my intentions are pure. My methods are not, but my meth is. I just made that up. I'm really proud of myself. (laughs) But yes, you can almost kind of see the parallels, like where Stefano would draw the parallels. Like he's having this internal struggle where he's, you know, there's meth everywhere Mm -hmm. and same for Stefano. Mm -hmm. But also he's having this sort of internal conflict of, who he is and the how his actions are conflicting with perhaps his core beliefs yeah in the same way that walter white has this sort of ongoing internal well his, conflict. his his meth addiction is ruining his own life and whilst walter is looking out for his family he's he's uh, helping ruin other people's lives like well actually it does really affect his life as well oh, okay yeah so um uh, yeah you can sort of see especially like perhaps with if he's taking a lot of meth his brain is going to be a bit addled so like, he's so he's taking meth whilst watching Breaking Bad as well. He's just surrounded by meth. <laughs> well, I don't know if he like did meth whilst he was watching Breaking Bad. But like Bad. he's just like But yeah, he was he was in the throes of his addiction. Oh, he just really dedicated got to it. sort of obsessed. I mean, I binge watched Breaking Bad um while I could because I had to wait series by series. That was right. before Netflix got annoying and started releasing things episode by, you know, like uh, weekly. Yeah. When you could actually just be like, "Cool, here's a series." I can't say that I got became obsessed with it in that way and so he Stefano was really falling into this like dark world where with the help of hard drugs fantasy and fiction I think were really starting to blur yeah and he was sort of losing his grip on reality a little bit and he was also fascinated with sex okay yep and uh, fascinated or or would did he do a lot of it well uh, but both okay he yeah fascinated with sex and was intent to have as many chem sex parties Oh, as he could. Is that where you get high and then have sex? Chris Carter's going to tell you. Okay. Chem sex is pretty much a party or a get together, where is exactly what it says on the tin. It's a party that's fueled by chemicals, and it's a sex party. The two biggest chemicals are used in the community for sex parties are ketamine and crystal meth. Two big reasons: ketamine is a horse tranquilizer; it kills your gagging effect, and crystal meth because you don't sleep on it. The second reason why crystal meth is very used, it's known as a huge aphrodisiac. Uh, Once you take it, your libido just goes crazy and you just, you don't stop. 
Christ. Sounds, yeah. Sounds like great fun. Wow. Wild. Um, also, you know when he's like, uh, and the two, two main, like the two biggest chemicals that I used, I was expecting him to be like poppers and, you know, like maybe ecstasy or something. No, just ketamine and meth. Okay. Like, yeah, like fucking big boys. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's gone wild. He loves it. And he began using the dating app Grinder to regularly meet men to have these chemsex parties. And it wasn't long before he became completely immersed in a world fueled by drugs and sex. Because also he didn't have a job. Okay. So, you know, sex and drugs, that's what he's doing. His chaotic lifestyle, understandably, was quite quickly spiralling out of control. Sounds like it already. Yeah, he's gone, like, he's gone wild. He really has. Essentially, he was spiralling out of control. He's unemployed, living alone in his apartment in Southwark, which is in London. And he became kind of a hermit. So he was only really going out at night time and mostly uh, sort of only interacting with people through the Grinder app looking for sex. Right. Uh, so he wasn't getting those kind of like normal day-to-day social interactions yeah. uh, that you that you would get, those everyday things. Just popping to the supermarket or meeting someone for lunch. Exactly. And just like, like just... Yeah, interacting with everyday people every day. Yeah, catching up with friends, going to the pub. It sounds very isolating. Yeah. And very damaging because those kind of sort of everyday, just even like a quick chat with a cashier, mm. like those kind of things keep you grounded. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Like, yeah. Sometimes it can make your day when someone is really nice to you or you or you make their day when you compliment them or something and then it's just this reciprocated. And it reminds you that you are an actual person, like yeah. you are a human being who lives in the world. We're all sort of doing the same and things. And we all live, live on this planet together. Yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't getting any of that. He was alone. No. And obviously the social interactions that he was getting probably weren't that meaningful. No. So, and this lifestyle that was spinning out of control was about to prove deadly. On the afternoon of April 1st, 2016 Stefano Brizzi started messaging a guy on Grinder and invited him to his place to have sex the man was 59 year old policeman Gordon Semple Emily Pennick a correspondent at the Old Bailey remembers Gordon Gordon Semple was from Inverness originally in Scotland and he worked for the Bank of Scotland in Inverness and then moved down to London where he became a police officer 30 years ago he was working at the City Hall in Westminster as part of an antisocial behaviour team. He was very popular with his friends. At around 3pm... Oh, I know. Oh, I just looked him up as well. Oh, He's got a really kind face. He does. Oh, he looks like when he talks, his cheeks would just sort of wobble a bit. Yeah, he also looks like if he was like on the beat and you needed help, like hey. you would... He trust help him you. to help you. Yeah, defo. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. At around 3pm, whilst on duty, Gordon arrived at the Blackfriars train station and made his way to the Peabody estate to meet Stefano, who was a complete stranger. They'd just met on the app. So it's unknown exactly what happened throughout the afternoon, but it's presumed that they spent the afternoon having sex. Okay. And even contacted other men via the apps to come and join them. Oh. So a few hours later, around 7pm, another man arrived at Stefano's and rang the doorbell. But after a while, Stefano answered the door and said that somebody's fallen ill and they're getting treatment. So the party's over. Right. If the man had entered the flat, he would have learned that behind closed doors, Stefano Brizzi had murdered 
police officer Gordon Semple. Oh. I think possibly it's a good job he didn't get inside the flat because who knows he might if have he would have so been exactly. Yeah, shit, man. According to Stefano, him and Gordon had got into a BDSM game that involved a collar, a mask, and a dog leash. Oh, okay. And these objects would actually become apparent as murder weapons. At some point during the the course of events, Gordon had lost his life. He'd agreed to some bondage activity with Britsy and it's believed that, that Gordon was strangled and that's how he died. Forensic pathologist Stuart Hamilton knows more about what killed Gordon. So precisely why reduced oxygen supply to the brain enhances orgasm and sexual pleasure It's not something that's tremendously well understood, but it is very well recognised. And for forensic pathologists, finding autoerotic accidents is not uncommon. With pressure on the neck, there is only about 10 seconds before somebody loses consciousness if the pressure is too high. That means that if you don't have some sort of fail-safe in an autoerotic event, you can die very quickly because you lose consciousness and you can't save yourself. The interplay between pressure on the neck and sexual activity can be very, very difficult to work out when it stops being an inexperienced person in an accident and when it becomes deliberate homicide. So we have safe words. Well, if you're being strangled... Yes, that's true. But that's why you have safe words, generally, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. That sounds too stressful. Like, oh, God. Ten seconds is not a lot of time, is it? No, it's not. No, I really learned something there. Yeah. And um, it's scary. Because, yeah, like also, like you said, once you've passed out, you can't save yourself. In the days leading up to Gordon's death, Stefano had been on a crystal meth bender. All the meth. he, He loves it. Making him super unstable unpredictable and apparently deadly and as he lay dead in Stefano's flat Gordon Semple's long-term partner was expecting to meet him later in the evening yeah here's Emily they'd arranged to meet at a local pub near where they were living in Dartford and they talked about having shepherd's pie for dinner it was already in the fridge ready and waiting for them and they talked about recording a reality TV show that they both liked so that they could watch it later. I know, I know. It's, but I don't think it actually occurred to Stefano that there might be somebody out there who misses Gordon because yeah. he's been on this bender. He's not thinking. No. His, his brain isn't. And also he's also very lonely. Yeah. So unaware that Gordon had arranged to meet Stefano, Gordon's partner started to get worried he called Gordon 18 times over an hour and a half and still hadn't managed to get through. So after leaving messages on his answer phone all night with no response, he reported Gordon missing to the police the next morning. And by Sunday, April 3rd, 2016, the Met Police had launched an official missing persons appeal for their colleague, PC Gordon Semple. Just quickly, so that was his partner? Yeah. And and he was... On grinders, so did they have an open relationship? I'm I'm not really sure. All I all you can sort of tell from the sort of what's happened is that this person obviously really cared for him and they were in a serious relationship. Oh, okay. 
but maybe it's something that it was just an ad hoc thing and he was like oh i'm on duty i'm in i'm in the area okay right like i'll just quickly go do this maybe in other circumstances he'd have discussed it with his partner first i I don't know i don't know so uh yeah official missing persons appeal started on april 3rd 2016 and the next day which was three days after gordon was killed the caretaker of the Peabody estate in South London started to notice a weird smell coming from Stefano's flat. At first, he thought it might have been the drains or some sort of plumbing problem. He bumped into Steve Harris, who we heard from at the start, who lived in the flat above Stefano. I walked through the fletching and the porter came up to me and said to me, "Um, excuse me, there's been a complaint and I thought it was talking about me. Then he went on a, a complaint about a smell in the block. But where I live at the top, I didn't realise what was going on. So we both walked up into the block. He said to me, can you smell it now? A little bit. So what he'd what he done, he opened up the letterbox. And he said to me, can you smell it now? And I said to him, yes. Do you know what it smells like? It smells like a dead body. Now, I've never smelt a dead body in my entire life. So he wanted to call the police. I'll come back up here, I'm up the window, had a fag. Then all of a sudden, when like people turn their century and you've got an outside flu. So I'm looking out the window and I thought to myself, well, hold on a minute, mate. We just looked at your door, you didn't answer. So how comes your century's on? I went downstairs on my own. I looked for the letterbox. He walked straight past and opened up the door. I said, excuse me, mate. I said, um, there's been a complaint about the smell in the block. So he's gone to me, well, I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm just cooking for a friend, fair enough. I went back downstairs to the porter and I said to him, don't bother calling up the police, he's in. Because they know he lives alone, so... They, I think the smell, they're concerned that it was he's, him. He's died, yeah. Yeah, so by knowing that he's there, like, okay, well, there can't possibly be another dead person in there because that would be ludicrous. Yeah. But they were wrong. Yeah. The smell of the dead body was obviously attracting attention in the building and Stefano needed to move quickly to deal with it. So, remember he I'm was obsessed... with bobules. Remember he was obsessed with Breaking Bad? Yep. He went to a local DIY shop and bought a few different things. He bought buckets, rubber gloves, cleaning products, and a large perforated metal sheet, (gasps) which he used to dismember the body. Then he buys acid. Where do you buy acid from? I don't know. B&Q? You aren't going to be able to get you aren't going to be able to get any really good acid just generally over the counter because that kind of substance is really heavily regulated. Oh my god, you can buy brick battery acid, brick acid, commercial hydrochloric acid, Amazon. Yeah. My god. So on breaking, I don't don't recommend you buy acid from Amazon. Thank you. I think that yeah sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. Um, Walter White in Breaking Bad uses sulfuric acid because he has. He has loads because he's a scientist. Because he's a science teacher, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So inspired by Walter White, Stefano tries to dissolve parts of Gordon's body. But he 
just bought a bunch of different chemicals and like some acid from like local hardware shops. So he didn't know what he needed. And he definitely didn't have what he needed. So he was just making a cocktail that he hoped would work. Right. Which is actually just a fucking shit idea, isn't it? It sounds like a complete shit show. It sounds like the idea of somebody whose brain is addled by crystal meth. Yeah. So I think this just goes to show that Stefano was really becoming more and more disconnected from reality, like that he even thought that that would work. It really is incredibly gruesome. And this suggests to me that this isn't somebody who is disgusted. This isn't somebody who is abhorred by by what's going on. And I think by this point, Britsy has become so kind of saturated with drugs. He's become so detached from reality that that line between fiction and, and reality really is completely crossed and completely blurred. He also went on Grindr and tried to cover his tracks and lay a false trail to put anyone off from suspecting that anything had happened that was untoward. He disposed of other body parts by taking them and throwing them into the river. And the disintegration then takes over, trapped in this tiny flat, blackened windows, with Gordon Semple's body. It is almost impossible to imagine what that must have been like. It's maddening, isn't it? Like, you can feel it making you mad, like, insane. I just... I'm just thinking about this case and various other cases where to to hide the evidence, they cut up the body parts, right? And we just say it like, they cut up the body parts to hide the evidence. But I just thought about them actually doing it. And I was just looking at my arm thinking... Oh my god! If you put a saw through that, you'd have to go through my skin and then fat and my muscle and then my bone to cut it off. Mm-hmm. And people are w- willfully doing that, like just cutting up. Like it's oh like, yeah, it must be really difficult. A really difficult to do and just so gruesome and messy and gross. Yeah, and and people are just doing that and and also loud. Surely ah, you can't do that quietly. Oh my god, the noises! Think of the noises. Oh fuck! Yeah, Nothing like that. No. It's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. But yeah, he is not he is not in this world anymore, is he? He's he not is, okay. He is in a blue hazed land. Meth where, land. Meth land. Yeah. And he's not himself. By Thursday, April seventh, so that's nearly uh coming up to a week after Gordon Semple was killed. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine the smell oh, fuck. coming from Stefano's like, flat. I can't imagine it because I don't know what it smells like. It was but... becoming unbearable. Right, okay. Yeah. So Stefano's neighbour, Steve Harris, and Steve's brother decided to confront Stefano again by knocking on his door and asking what was going on. Stefano just apologised and once again said, sorry, mate, I'm just cooking for a friend. What are you cooking, Stefano? It smells bad. And for how many friends? For how long? Because this is a constant smell. They're going to be poisoned, like, if it smells that bad. So, luckily, this time... The The never-ending banquet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The never-ending banquet. And Steve Harris doesn't want to join in. So, luckily, the brothers didn't buy it and they called 999. The ambulance turned up. Whether or not they got into his place or not, I don't know. But they must have smelled this smell. When they come back down again, I said to the woman, 
What's it smell of? She said, it smelled like, it smells like rotten flesh. Well, me and my brother looked at each other and it's just say like, well, something ain't right. The police arrived after the paramedics and two officers knocked on the door of Stefano's flat. He answered the door wearing a pair of pink speedos and aviator sunglasses, ends up telling the officers, I've killed a police officer. Wow! Oh, Satan made me do it. I promised Satan that I would kill at the first opportunity. Yeah. So initially... Okay. Yeah, and don't forget, he said that wearing pink speedos and aviators. And that's it. Okay. So the police officers heard that and quite understandably i reckon they thought he was insane yes. so rather than arresting him straight away they just let him keep talking right this is a man who has lost contact with the planet really and he says oh yes i've cut him up i've dismembered him i think the the women police constable was probably completely confused by this what on earth are you talking about well yes i, I killed him and they go into the bathroom. It's an extraordinary descent into madness. When they looked around the flat, there were buckets of dismembered body parts, including part of um, PC Semple's head. But they obviously didn't know PC Semple, so they wouldn't have known that it was him at that stage. He has to explain his actions. He's still very much under the influence of substances at this point. He's been taking crystal meth in quite large quantities for quite a significant period of time. And I think that reality really is a million miles away for him. So he's basically saying that the most incredible things, like Satan, is is responsible for, for the death of Gordon Semple. Yeah, he's definitely lost it when he's saying stuff like that. He's in cloud cuckoo meth land. Yeah. Yeah. And as police searched further into Stefano's flat, they found a copy of the Satanic Bible okay. on his computer. Oh. So at what point did he switch? Well, I guess maybe part of this is the Catholic, because the Catholic guilt. Like, I am Perhaps I'm doing these things. I'm, as... Yeah, I'm doing these things and they're wrong and they're dirty and so it must be Satan. It can't possibly be me because right, I'm a good Catholic yeah. boy, I think. I've been overcome by this and now I am my must, you know... Yeah, he's got no idea Give what... myself to the dark side, as it were. On April 7th, 2016, Stefano was arrested on suspicion of murder and taken to Lewisham Police Station. DNA tests and evidence found at his home would eventually confirm that the dismembered body was that of Gordon Semple. But it wasn't until Stefano was interrogated by police that the initial details of the murder actually emerged. His court reporter, Tess Delamere. He was very forthcoming in his interview about what happened. The thing that always struck me about him was that he was a very... Um, educated and articulate man. He had an answer for everything. He wore sunglasses in his police interviews. And this is something that does appear to be incredibly bizarre. And I think what he's doing here, he's continuing to draw on that character from Breaking Bad, Walter White's alter ego of Heisenberg, who always wore sunglasses. And I think this is a way of basically psychologically detaching Stefano Brizzi from the person who's carried out this horrendous crime. I was going to say, that sounds 
like what's happening there. Yeah, like he's just detaching himself yeah, from it. Yeah, he doesn't want to associate himself with that part of him. So he's created these two characters, as it were. Yeah. One is his like fantasy alter ego and then he's himself, which he can't even face anymore. I think you nail on the head there, mate. Stefano went on trial on October 18th at the Old Bailey and it was clear that he was crumbling under the pressure. He was reported to be sobbing and hyperventilating at the beginning of the trial and was said to be visibly distressed throughout, which is very different to the arrogant figure that was in the police interview tapes in his sunglasses. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're bang on there. Um, he's the real Stefano went into that trial and didn't like what he was hearing. No. One of the most incriminating pieces of evidence the prosecution had was the confession that Stefano made at the time of the arrest. Fritzi had abandoned his confession that he'd been told by Satan to kill someone. He gave a version in court where they'd had consensual sex. They'd had played quite a long sex game. They'd both been taking crystal meth and other chems. Um, and he described a sadomasochistic sex game involving a collar and a dog lead and the only thing that we know for certain is that that collar and this dog lead were used because they had both men's DNA on them. Britsy said in his evidence that the leash just slipped and it was an accident but there were a lot of other aspects to the case that didn't quite tally with his version of events. First of all he told a lot of lies uh, about what had happened He lied to the man that came to his door to join the sex party. He then lied again, leaving messages on Gordon Semple's grinder account. And he lied to the police after they came to his flat and discovered the body. Just when you think it can't get any more gruesome... Oh, God, what now? The jury also heard that acts of cannibalism may have taken place. Stefano denied it, but they found evidence on that his cooker had been used to cook part of Gordon's body. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and it was also found that some of the kitchen utensils had Gordon's DNA on them, no. which included a pair of chopsticks, which <gasps> you wouldn't, you know, like if it was like, a, you like know, carving up, knives yeah. or something, but like, what are you going to do with chopsticks? Oh so, my goodness. And, 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 there's an and. Um, they found bite marks on the body part that was recovered. So we don't know what, perhaps, you know, he was just trying to separate the body so much that he was just trying to use everything. I don't know. Um, I mean, we've already heard this season about someone cooking body parts to try and get rid of them down the toilet, haven't we? Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's... Do you think he was aware he was doing that? Do you think he might have been so high and 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 in his sort of Satan worshipping well not Satan worshipping, but in his one of his trances trances you know what I mean, like he's in his Yeah, I do think he knew what he was doing. I think that his the meth the paranoia the the like that will sort of taken over his brain will have made him act irrationally like massively irrationally but but yeah I do because there there was CCTV footage 
um, which was played in the trial, which showed Stefano at his local hardware shop um, on Monday, several, on Monday, April the 4th, uh, which was three days after um, he killed Gordon Semple. And that was showing him buying the supplies, uh, which did include um, pincers, heavy-duty uh, uh, scissors, a putty knife, and large plastic buckets. So, like, he went in there with a plan. Like, it's not just sort of, um, oh, I'm making it up as I go along. I mean, yeah. obviously he is making it up as it goes along, but some thought went into that trip, at least. At one point on the CCTV, he picks up the bucket, and it's this big pink bucket, and he puts it over his head and shoulders. So, like, he's oh. trying to measure... Oh my like, god! Yeah, and once again in the episode of Breaking Bad, Jesse gets in the buckets at the hardware shop, and that's when he realizes he can't get a whole body in one of right. these. He's gonna have to cut it up. So, so if we you ever see anyone in being Q doing that, run, call the police. Yeah, but also like take pictures and call the police, but yeah. don't go anywhere near them. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So and like yeah, I just think he's sort of the rational part of him has left the building, but I do think he knows what he's doing, and I think it's just he's he's in this horrible spiral descent of a broken human being. Well, I just get the impression that he spiraled, he's spiraling, 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 and he's let his he's left the past version of himself, who is rational, who is a a, a normal member of society. They are. Gone. He's gone. Yeah. That, that's gone. And he has descended into this person, this new character. Yeah. And I think that's kind of um, a lot of what the trial was, was deciphering what kind of human being is Stefano Brizzi. Yeah. So the prosecution argued that uh, Stefano was evil and calculating, while the defence argued that he wasn't a monster and he had no re- recollection uh, because of his heavy drug use. Yeah. The one thing that was clear was that Stefano was sane. Right. He was assessed by a psychiatrist and they didn't find any evidence of diminished responsibility. And I was quite surprised by this. They didn't find uh, a, any psychiatric conditions either. Okay. Um, which is quite unusual. And I guess, you know, like uh, sometimes perhaps with that amount of drug use, it could induce a psychosis or something like that. But no no evidence okay so the jury had to decide whether to believe that stefano killed in a haze of drugs delusion and sleep deprivation or if the truth was the version he told in court and that it was a sex game that had gone tragically wrong mm-hmm. he denied murder and manslaughter but admitted to obstruction of a coroner by unlawfully disposing of the body i didn't envy the jury i thought they had a real tough job it was um 30 hours of deliberation. There was a majority verdict of 10 to 2. They obviously really struggled to reach that verdict. On November 14th, 2016, the jury found Stefano Brizzi guilty of murdering police officer Gordon Semple. And the following month, Judge Nicholas Hilliard sentenced Stefano to life in prison with a minimum of 24 years and an additional seven years for obstructing a coroner. He was sent to Belmarsh High Security Prison in London. But on Sunday, April 5th, 2017, so that's less than six months after the ruling was passed. Okay. But almost a year after killing Gordon Semple. Right. As almost a year to the day, actually. Okay. Um, after killing Gordon Semple at his flat. 
Stefano Brizzi committed suicide and was found dead in his prison cell. He was 50 years old. I think that the reason that Stefano Brizzi ended his own life was essentially because reality was catching up with him. He's now having to live with the consequences of this horrendous crime that he's committed. And also the fact that this crime not only has broken the law, but it's broken a lot of those moral expectations that were placed upon him as a young Catholic boy growing up in Italy. The thing that was so shocking about this case was the way um, the body was treated. That was um, sickening. Um, it was necessarily they had to go into great detail about it and that was very, very hard to listen to. That was hugely unpleasant and I can't even imagine how it must feel for um, the victim's family. It is telling that none of PC Gordon Semple's friends or family attended the trial. One can only imagine how absolutely devastating it would have been for them to have learned for the first time the details of his death and what happened afterwards. He was essentially stripped of his dignity. That was the case of Stefano Brizzi. Christ. Yeah. Didn't see that coming, did you? That was wild and it was actually not that long ago. Which no, interestingly, it was around the same. It wasn't too far uh, distant from the Stephen Port mm. murders. And um, there was this whole talk about like, oh, grinder, it's dangerous because it allows people to see your location and stuff like that. And um, But I think ultimately... All uh, apps let you see exactly, your location. But you have to just know. You just have to turn it off. Also, humans will destroy everything. Like, yeah. he, like they'll take any, like any app. It can be. Any, do you remember Habbo Hotel when you were a teenager? That was like this fun. It was supposed to be like this fun little game where you could chat to other people and no, I like didn't different play that. places. And um, obviously, there was like there was going to be loads of pedos on there eventually. Cause really. Well, yeah, because it's a chat room oh, where, like, yeah. people... Like, chat rooms. And you'd go on there and be like, ASL. Um, and they'd be like, 16 from Barnsley. Yeah, but really, they were, like, F 57 years old Yeah, from Kent. Yeah. And, like, they, I just think predators will, will predator. Haters going to hate, players going to play. Predi- there's always, there's always predators going to predate. There's always going to be someone that abuses the system. Yeah, so I don't think it's fair to blame... No, it's, dating it's not. It's not Grinder's fault. It's the the user's fault for abusing Grinder. It's the it's the predators. Yes, just stop predating. What is the verb I'm looking for there? Stop preying on people. Um, I did think it was really sad that PC Gordon Semple's family couldn't attend the trial. Like, no. I think it's great that they didn't. Yeah, um, and I think that was probably definitely the right choice for them. Like Emily Penick said, I can't imagine how horrible it is to have to hear about you would not want to hear what happened to someone that you love so much to that in that in that detail it's not going to help anything you don't, is you it you don't want to know no it's also it's horrible it's heartbreaking yeah it's so bad for them yeah it must have just been really tough you just don't want to know that no nope. oh, golly nope. it's just a complete violation well that was um that was quite quite grotesque i must admit and you weren't wrong you said that you're welcome So 
yeah, next time on Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're turning back the clock to learn about the monster butler, Archibald Hall. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of Devils in the Dark. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please do check out the description for lots of helpful resources. Special thanks goes to Woodcut Media and our wonderful, wonderful producers at Audio Boom Studios. Wonderful.